<laughs> hey, yo, remember that stuff you used to kick on the podcast that they didn't think was going to hit? Yeah, I remember. Kick it. Woke up quick at about noon. Just thought that I had to be in Compton, so... Oh, no, nah, wrong show. Anyway, this is James, and I'm here from the I Am Podcast, bringing you another session. In today's world, people face challenges and struggles um, that they have to overcome. Here at the I Am Podcast, I interview people weekly, and we talk about the, their challenges and struggles. From our talks, we develop I am affirmations that people can implement in their lives daily in hopes of giving them something that they can reach back to when they're um, going through these struggles and challenges. Let's get into this podcast. How y'all like that intro? Shoot me an email or hit me up on social media and let me know your thoughts. Many people have been given feedback and they've asked for a longer episode. So this week I'm going to try a longer episode and see how you guys like it. Let me know if it's a yes or no. Me personally, I like the 15 minute sessions, but I want to give the listeners what they want. So um, without further ado, here we go. It is not the movement of the clock that produces the newness of life. It is the movement in your mind. You're gonna hear all kinds of things said about you. Throw it behind you. The enemies that you see today, you will see them no more. No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises against you, God will condemn. This is my time. Truth of the matter is, everybody in here is going through a change. You don't have to be ashamed of yours. We are all in the process of transforming to a higher, better expression of myself. I'm here with Mr. Douglas Burns. Mr. Burns turned a hobby of cutting hair or a misfortune of cutting his own hair into a business over years. Hello, Mr. Burns. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So I know you by Doug, so I'm going to just refer to you for the rest of the interview as Doug. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. All right, perfect. So, Doug... Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay, well, I'm from here in Southern California. I was born in uh, Los Angeles, California. Lived there until maybe my teenage years and moved to San Bernardino, California. See, I'm from Mississippi, so I don't know too much about L.A. or San Bernardino other than what I see on TV, but... uh. Growing up in your time, man, it had to be hard living in L.A. Yeah, it, it, it had its moments, you know. Uh, at the time, San Bernardino got pretty rough, too. But at, at the time, we, we felt like we were seeking refuge going to San Bernardino. Damn. 
I only hear stories. Again, like I said, I seen the movies. And when I first moved out to Southern California in 07, it was it was a big shock, man. It, it was just a big shock. I don't understand your struggles, but what I seen in 07, when I first got here, I could only imagine what was going on in the 90s. So you turned a hobby of cutting hair into a business. How did you start cutting hair? Uh, humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, well, I, I, I didn't grow up going to the barbershop, but uh, I went a few times growing up young, but not enough. And so when I got about 15 years old, you know, I wanted to start having a haircut. So I just started cutting my own hair, you know, and I got pretty good at it. And, I started doing my dad's hair and my brother's, and one day my, my father was cutting the grass, and uh, one of the neighbors asked him who did his haircut, and he told him my son. And after that, I mean, that was my first client, made my first $5, and after that, it just kept going from there. So before, I'm going to get back to the to the building and clientele. Before that, you said you were about 15. So from 15 and younger, what did you do for haircuts? Did you rock the curl like easy or did you do something else? Well, you said 15 and younger? Yeah, because you said you started cutting your own hair at 15, right? Oh, right, right. Well, earlier earlier on, my, my mother, she had a, a beauty salon in L.A. We lived in L.A., so she kind of, from second grade till about the third or fourth grade, I did have a curl like easy. Now you mentioned it. <laughs> somebody who provides a service to people for money or 
or were you just happy you were getting paid for what you were doing? Nah, at that point, it was just, you know, I had a little gas money, you know what I mean? And I, I was cutting people for, I just needed some money. I had gas in my car and can go to the parties and stuff. Really, I wasn't even thinking about making money or, or, or how successful I could be because I didn't really know any barbers, so I didn't know that there was money in, in barbering. So when did you find out that it was money in barbering? Or that it could be a business. Uh, my mom actually, she just had mentioned to me, you know, why don't I go do it for real instead of just having people all in the house cutting their hair all the time, you know? And even then, I didn't realize or know that it would it would be profitable. I was just like, okay, I guess I can I can use that a couple of dollars here and there. I'm still thinking chump change. I was still thinking small, you know. Yeah. So you build at one person clientele into how many people did you have at your house on a regular basis i had people from church coming by friends family just whoever wanted the haircut I, I just had the little radio be in the backyard lifting weights and, and cutting hair but you know my homeboys from the neighborhood nice i didn't look at it as making money it was just yeah i do it i ain't doing nothing you know that's just like somebody coming over with their bike and you want to fix their tire or something you know what i mean it's just like it wasn't like noticing that it's a skill or something that's gonna I'm gonna live off of in the future. I wasn't thinking like that. It was just a hobby. Right. And now it's a successful business. Yeah. You have this successful business. I know the road was not easy because you kind of told me a little bit about your story when I was telling you about my podcast. So can you tell the listeners? a little bit about your story of how you became a barber. I joined the apprentice program. I was 18. It was on my 18th birthday. There was a place called Barry's Bad Creations in Rialto. Yeah. And, and uh, that was 1995. And uh, I started cutting there. I really didn't do too much cutting. I wasn't, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I had no training. I was just straight out the kitchen cuts. But it was, it was a good experience, you know. Hey, uh, what is a apprentice program? The apprentice program is yeah. uh, when you go to school just on Mondays and you train at the shop. So you get it take you two years instead of one year, but but after two years you you get your hours. You go take your test. So if one of the audience members wanted to be a barber, they can do the apprentice program, which is longer but they only go to school one day and they actually get practical training at a shop during the week. Right. But And you can get paid for that? Yeah. Is the apprentice program cheaper than just going to a barber school? You can start up the uh, apprentice program with a couple hundred bucks. Oh, okay. It was like $100 money order to the, to this, uh, to the state and like $75 or something like that to somewhere else. I know we had to certify two money orders and go to the San Bernardino Adult Ed. He did the first couple of hours of class. But I, I didn't have to do that part because the guy, he knew he, he knew me from going to school, so I didn't have to do that part. Because I, I already had like 700 hours in regular school at the time. Yeah. So why would somebody choose to do the apprentice program? Only because it's cheaper or do they get more practice like what's the yeah, well, benefit well, 
the benefits of the apprentice program, if, if you can cut a little bit and you just can't afford to sit at a school and not make no money, you know, like me, like being where, where my situation changed, where I had kids now and, and you got to pay bills, it's, it's easier for you to go to work and work every day than to sit at school every day and not make no money. Because okay. in school you can only make tips. You can't. You can't make physical. You can't make no real money. You might go to work all day and come home with twenty bucks. If that, that's a good day. Twenty bucks in tips. The school only charging for twenty five for the cuts, and then if they tip you a dollar or two, you know. So apprentice program, you, you in the shop. At the time, haircuts was like ten bucks the shop. You know. Oh, and you would get a percentage of it. Yeah, you, you know, we, we split it 70-30, uh, you know, back then. And then at one point, we were just so good at it, you just can't move for it like everybody else. Oh, nice. So, so that, that was, that was the, the pros and cons of being an apprentice. But, you know, I left there, and then I went to school full-time at Roston's. It used to be Roston's uh, school in uh, San Bernardino. And, you know, I went to school there. By this time, I was about about 96. Uh, I went there, you know, for a spell. But then I ended up getting into some situations where I had, uh, you know, it was kind of rough paying for my, uh, you know, my schooling or whatever. I ended up getting my girlfriend at the time pregnant. And so I had a, a son on the way. And from there... I ended up having to stop going to school and work a regular job. Where you work at? Uh, I was I was managing a wig store, and so I was kind of in the comfort zone. I didn't really want to step out and, and really cut hair, you know, because I, I didn't know if I'd be able to survive and you know be responsible. Yeah. So were you still cutting in the meantime? Yeah, I was still cut, doing a little side stuff here and there, and one of, one of the guys that I used to uh, I used to work with. And when I was in Rialto, called Barry's Bad Creations, well, he opened up his own shop in Colton called Artistic New Yours. And so I ran into him. Actually, I was working for Auto Trader. I used to ride around and take pictures of people's cars. And that's how I ran into him, uh, running and just riding around in businesses and stuff and soliciting businesses to take pictures of people's cars for the Auto Trader magazine. So you stopped working at the Wick place to go work for Auto Trader? Uh, I'm not sure in what order it was. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there. Yeah. Some kind of gray area. You were but just doing up, whatever you needed to do to to provide for that baby that was coming, huh? Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, I had got my license because I had stopped going to school. So he was like, maybe I can do an apprentice, you know. So I was like, all right, cool. Somehow or another, I ended up getting married. I was like 20 years old at this time. And then from there, now I really wasn't really thinking. I, I talked to dude. I, you know, I told him that I wanted to get a job cutting. But I, I ended up uh, going working through a temp agency. And I was still cutting hair, you know, but not really on a full scale. I was working in a temp agency at Kmart Warehouse in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I ended up getting hired on permanent. And then, so one day, the barbershop was not too far from my house. So one day, me and my wife at the time, and my little, my young son, we were at the video store, which is next to the barbershop. And he was like, hey, man, I got a spot for you. You know, 
you could come in on Saturdays, Saturdays only, because one of the guys that was working there, uh, he was seven day in Venice, so I got to work on his spot just on one day a week. So I started working at the the warehouse and then working at the barbershop and coaching just on Saturdays. Yeah. So you know, I was going there and doing that. So just for a short time, that was nineteen ninety eight. By this time. I remember it was October 98 when I first started doing that. Then I ended up getting hired permanent on from the temp to the permanent came up by December of uh, 98. I was just cutting hair on Saturday still. So then after after doing that, you know, then my first my first marriage, <laughs> that didn't work out. After like 11 months, 11 months of that marriage, I was only 20 years old. But in my mind, I was thinking I was doing the right thing. I was going to church and things like that and so I was in a rush to grow up and I really you know really shouldn't have yeah so going through that process I ended up going to court and uh I ended up having a well we tried to reconcile that marriage and after that 11 months we got back together and then uh we ended up having another kid so I had so by this time I had two kids two boys and and I had a little girl you know, and by this time, I, I don't know why, I, I was just messing myself up. I was <laughs> going to court, man. I, I had to go to court because then it was for an instance where it was like, okay, I'm dealing with these social issues and I'm still trying to, still trying to, you know, work and be successful. Yeah. So I started doing the uh, apprentice program at the shop and I was doing the Saturdays. I was still keeping my job. But then since I got myself in the pickle and going through all these things, now, since I'm going to court and stuff, and I got babies, now I got child support, you know. I ended up with child support. So the child support was now telling me that I, I had to stop my apprentice. It was taking my apprentice license, so I couldn't cut hair anymore, you know. And uh, so I was working at the warehouse or whatever. But the cold part is I had I had my I had my kids, so it was just like a situation where where like I wasn't like a deadbeat or nothing, but it was a situation where my kid's mom, she was claiming the kids, but she didn't have the kids. I had the kids and it was just like, you know, <laughs> it was just a tough situation. So, you know, trying to do the right thing, really I was railroading myself. So long story short, man, uh, the child support, then they start garnishing my wages, you know, at the, uh, at the job site. So then it started getting real, you know, so then I had to consider my bank account, uh, and they took the money out of my bank account, and uh, I had to uh, pay the lady for the child care, man, and, and I didn't have the money for her, so then she would take me to court. She wanted to sue me because I had not child care money because the child support done took my money out the bank, you know, and and then they took, then I didn't have my rent money, so I had to move out of my apartment and grab the kids and move to my mom's house. And uh, so here I am. I got my, I got my kids. I but what happened was I had to go to the welfare office myself and, and apply for homeless, you know. So I did, I did that, and I applied for the homeless. And then well, what that did, though, that helped me because the law is that you can't take child support from somebody, you know, that's that's legally getting aid. Yeah. You know? So they had been at that. So all these years I've been fighting this and trying to get them to see that I'm taking care of my kids. Finally... They, they let me see a child support officer right there because I'm trying to get food stamps and some money or whatever. And they was like, okay, they sent the detective out that day. 
And her, her known address was 29 Palms somewhere. And I was staying in Rialto, you know, my, my parents' house. Yeah. kids. And so when they went to my mom's house and see my daughter was right there, my son was at school. And uh, my other, my older son, he, he stayed with his mom. But they sent it that day, so they finally stopped that child support order that day. You know. So then I felt like I was getting some kind of leverage, you know. I was like, okay. Nice. Got that, got that done. But I still, they still left me a $20,000 balance. And I had to pay, and they didn't care, and I still had to pay that, and I still owed that. You know, so that's okay. I, fair, fair enough, I'm paying the payments. You know, but it's still, the interest was so high that my little payments wasn't even making a dent. The balance just was, it wasn't growing, but it wasn't going nowhere. Yeah. So I, then I got back into cutting hair again. How you get Actually, back into cutting hair? Oh, because uh, when the shop sports started hitting the job, and I'd already, after we did the layoffs, we had to get back to the job. And when they started garnishing my wages, and I was going to court and stuff for, for the, uh, the child care money I owed and all of that, it just wasn't worth it. So I just quit uh, working there, and I just went back to cutting hair full time. Cool. I had to, I, I, what I call it, I had to go underground. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get from going underground owing $20,000 for back child support to finishing school and, and moving forward. The grace of God, after I, got, after I got my kids and I got everything straight, I went back to the school and I worked to build out with the, uh, with, the, with, the, with the guy at the school that I could pay X amount of dollars if I just come in and get the rest of my hours. So at this time, I wasn't going back to the work apprenticeship. I was going back to the regular school. He, he seen my struggle over the past years. He said, like, in all his class lectures, he talked about me. It took me 10 years to get my license, pretty much. <laughs> you know? But I, I, I didn't quit, you know? And Ava was telling me, you know, maybe I should choose a different, a different profession, you know? They're like, because this ain't working for you, you know, fighting child support people and everything else, you know? Yeah. So I'm making my payment plan, and I got enough money to pay to pay him off now, and uh, I ended up meeting my wife today that I have now. So we ended up hooking up and getting together and stuff, and we ended up, we got married, and she had owned her house already, and she had a daycare business in San Bernardino. So she, she was kind of helping me out with the kids, too, as far as the child care when I was going to work and things like that. So uh, from there, I just kept on doing what I was doing and trying to make my little money or whatever and just living pretty much, and things just started happening for me. Then I was working. I paid him off a little bit, and uh, I was getting ready to take my test, and we ended up uh, refinancing the house that we had. And uh, we split the money, and my, my half of the money went to paying my child support off. Nice. So when that happened, I felt like a dog off the leash. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like it was like no holds barred. I knew what it, I knew what it was like to be held down. You know, so at that point, um, this was around this was around 2003. Now 2000. In about 2003, so then now I'm working in the barbershop in Colton. I told myself, in two years, I'm going to open up a shop, you know? And I didn't know how, or I didn't know how 
was going to do it, I just told myself that, you know, that I was going to open up a shop in two years. Yeah. And it, it ended up happening in like a year and a half. Actually, before we got, we were supposed to get married in June of 2004. A week, a week before the mar- we got married, the dude, <laughs> I was working at his shop for a year. I left my shop across the street. I'm working with this dude, and after about a year, he only got a, a year lease on his building, and they're telling him, you know, we uh, got to move, you know? Yeah. So I'm looking at like, man, I'm about to get married in a week, and you telling me that we ain't going to have no job? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so that's really how it started. I just 
opened up a shop out there in Hemet, and I was working in Hemet, and I had a shop in Riverside. And the guys that was there, they worked out there, and I came out to him and started something different. And this was in 2008. And from there, I, I, I ran successfully. I ran both shops. What's the name of your barber shop? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, getting Faded Barbershop. So if somebody wanted to see some of the artistic work that you do, how could they see that work? Oh, yeah, you can just go on my Instagram. It's uh, Doug Stay Fresh Barber. You see some of the pictures and haircuts and different things I've done. All right. If somebody wanted to come by getting faded to get faded, where would they go? Oh, yeah, the shop's located in Emmett, California. Uh, it's 330 North San Jacinto Street. And the number is uh, 951-925-FADE, 925-3233. Each week, I ask my guests to give the listeners an I am affirmation that they could uh, use daily uh, for the next week. Would you be willing to give the listeners an I am affirmation? Sure. I am the master of my fate. I am the conqueror of my soul. I like that you took charge of your life situations when there seemed to be no hope at all. And just as a reminder, I am resilient. I am determined. I am consistent. I am made with the purpose of doing great things. I am a student of life. I am destined for greatness. I am enough. I am worthy. I am valuable. Please, please, please implement these into your daily routine. These affirmations will change your life. I really appreciate you taking the time out to join me for an interview for our podcast. I know you have a busy schedule, running a business and working at the barbershop. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Uh, any way I can help. Uh, if I'm an inspiration to somebody or uh, maybe if someone's going through something, maybe, you know, if any way I can help. So if somebody was going through something, what kind of words of encouragement would you give them? Stay focused. Never give up. And just believe in yourself. Sometimes you gotta you have to speak things out in existence, you know, and really believe that and live by it. And anything can happen for you. Thank you again, Doug. I really appreciate it. I know somebody needed to hear your story and will be motivated by it. Together, we're going to change lives and instill hope into people. So... Um, I'll see you next week at Getting Faded when I'm going to get my fresh fade. All right, thank you.